Well, the next thing that I want to do as we get into what God has for us is I want to ask you a simple question. You know, Miss Jennifer, I don't think she really knew that I was going to talk about, uh, you know, stuff from Revelation, but I am. And so it's pretty cool how God connected that. I want you to think for a moment. Imagine that today is your last day on the earth. What are some, what are some things that you would do? What would you do if today was your last day on the planet? Just think of a couple different things right now. What would you do if today was your last day on the planet? As you get some, just kind of raise your hand and, and share some with me. Some things like you, you know you'd want to do. Okay, Noah? Preach to as many people as I could. Preach to as many people as you could. Okay, who else? What are some things you know you'd want to do? Epiphany? Eat and be with your family and friends, right? The last meal, okay? Burn all your money. Ah, here's to you. It's just a big bonfire. All of us will just kind of jump you. No, Zach. It'll be a little campfire. Not too much. <laughs> a little can, a little tin can. Okay, what are, what? <laughs> the shoebox under my bed, you know, half full. What are some other things that you would do if today was your last day on the planet? Skydive. I knew somebody would say that. When I was in elementary school, this is how we used to trick the girls into saying that they would marry us. We would sit around the table and say, if, if the world was going to end today, and I was the only guy left on the planet, you know, and we had to sustain life, would you marry me? Would you marry me? And usually they said no. But, you know, as I got older and more attractive, some of them started to say yes. I tried. Miss Jennifer bought it. She married me, you know. She, <laughs> But what are some other things that you would do if today was the last day on the planet? Anyone have any, some, any some, some things that they really, really want to do that you have to do? Does anyone have a bucket list already? Okay, Julia has a bucket list. Tell me one of the things on your bucket list. Um, you're really weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. There's this free fall ride that I've always wanted to do, so I want to do that. You want to do the free fall ride. There's some things that I want to do. Who else? What else would you want to do? Go traveling or go to a concert. Jump in the car, see how far you can drive before you leave the planet. Just, just how, how far will you get? <laughs> no, just go traveling. Okay, now think about this. Those are all great, and, and Noah shared an awesome one too. Does this change your perspective at all? What would you do if today was your last day on the planet, and tonight you stood before the judgment seat of Christ? Does that change your perspective on the things that you might do a little Noah says no. Does anyone else, does that, does that bring more of an immediacy? Does that, does that change anyone else's list that they just mentally created? Okay, let me see. Hands, does it change anyone's list that they just mentally said, you know, if today was my last day on the planet? Okay, why? What are some things? Mariah, you, you were the first to raise your hand. Because uh, I feel like if it was the last day, you might want to do stuff that's like crazy and maybe reckless. <laughs> so you kind of keep yourself in check. Yep. I, I, that's, that's the way that I used to think is that originally when I used to think about living like it was my last day, I wanted to do, I wanted to live it up, do everything that I possibly could because today would be my last day. But when you think about it, the Bible says that at our last day and at a special day that's to come, when Jesus will return, there will be a time where we have to stand before this judgment seat of Christ and he will give and render to everyone according to what they have done. And so for me... 
When I first think about it being my last day on the planet, I'm thinking of all these cool things I'm going to do. But as soon as I think about I'm going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, all of a sudden I get this narrow picture. Okay, I'm going to preach to as many people as I possibly can. I'm going to make sure that I honor God in everything I say and do today. I'm going to love my family the way that they ought to be loved. I'm not going to yell at anyone. It's going to really bring some focus. And I want to share some things with you today. Would you open up your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew chapter 24. You know, as I got before the Lord... I realize that, especially in D2L, we haven't done a whole lot of talking about this awesome day that Jesus will return. But if you read through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read some of the letters that Paul wrote and Peter wrote and the, and the, first, and the New Testament writers wrote, they talk a lot about Jesus returning. And in fact, before Jesus left, he promised his disciples that he would return. And I want you to know something interesting about the first century disciples. You know, all those cool guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all those amazing guys. They lived every single day with such an expectancy. They really believed that Jesus could return at any hour. How many of us actually believe that Jesus could return in the next minute? How many? Well, we might believe that, but how many of us live like we believe it? You know, we make a lot of decisions in life that we think we're promised tomorrow. We might say, oh, you know, I really should go downstairs and apologize to my mom and ask for forgiveness, but I'm going to stay up here and sulk a little bit. But what if tomorrow doesn't come? Or what if tonight doesn't come? You see, it's so important that we begin not to walk in fear, but to live as Jesus taught us. Now follow me. Are you in uh, Matthew chapter 24? I want you to go to verse 36. When you're there, say, I got it. Okay, Jesus is talking here, and he says, But concerning that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. I want to pause right there. We have just come through an entire year, 2012. Thank the Lord that it's over. Because there are people just picking random dates, and the Mayan calendar is going to end here, and Jesus is going to, or the world's going to end here. People will always, do you know something? People have talked for a long time. Religions have been started. Group suicides have happened because people talk about the end of the world. But Jesus tells us here that the angels in heaven don't know, and even Jesus, the son of the living God, doesn't know. It's going to happen like this one day, where God just calls his son over and says, today's the day. Because only the father knows that he has the time in store. So don't get caught up with December 21st, which is now over. But you know what? In your lifetime, there'll be at least another date that somebody says the world's going to end. Just be focused on what God has. Verse 37. For as were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He's talking about his return. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all the way. So swept them all the way. Um, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be standing in the field and one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There's a phrase that I like that Peter uses, and, it's, and he says, like a thief in the night. 
Jesus will return like a thief in the night. And you know, regardless of what you believed before you walked through these doors today, I want you to know something. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to believe in Jesus. There are people all over the world who don't, who don't believe in God and don't believe in Jesus. But it doesn't change the truth of the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and will return. You see, we can choose to believe what we want, but it doesn't change the truth. And the truth is that Jesus is coming back, and he's coming again. And I like this analogy that Jesus gives here. How many of us, do you ever walk through scenarios like, okay, you know, you hear, the, you hear like you're home alone, and you hear the door, you swear you hear the door jiggling, and all of a sudden your mind goes to, where are the knives, where's dad's gun, and you start, does anyone else do that, okay? Does anyone else do that? Yeah. Yeah. If a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it depends on where you grow up. You might do it a lot. But um, <laughs> in Barrington, Zach, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, I, I love this analogy. I think about Home Alone. Kevin, you guys know Home Alone? The first one, not those lame ones. Kevin opened the window at random, you know, and he hears these guys talking. And he knows that they're going to come and rob the place. And then again, in the second one in New York, the same thing happens at his uncle. That was a really good one. It's the, second, the, the same thing happens at his uncle's place. But see, that... that Kevin, what did he do because he got all that information? He began to prepare. He knew that they were coming. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. No one really gets that foresight as to when the thief is going to break in and steal. In fact, the thief always comes at an hour you do not expect. Isn't that true? And sometimes he will wait. He might study. She might study. And they wait to know when people aren't around. Not that God is doing that, but that's what it's going to be like. And so Jesus really encourages us here. We have some things that we ought to do. We need to live. See, the world says live it up until you die. But the truth is you need to live like every day could be the last in a way that you ought to honor God. And so we're going to look at some things this morning. Go to the book of 2 Peter. It's in your New Testament. Flip over several books to the right. 2 Peter chapter 3. And I want you to go to verse 8. When you get to 2 Peter chapter 3, say, I got it. 2 Peter is towards the end of the Bible, okay? It's just before 1 John. Again, if you're there, say, I got it. Okay, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Now, I want to pause for a moment here. Let me tell you what Peter is talking about. Peter is saying there are people talking. Now, Jesus, at the time that Peter is writing this, Jesus has already been gone for several years, several decades already, you know, so it could be 30, 30 40 years at this point. Jesus is already gone. And they lived with such an expectancy that they really believed. They actually believed that Jesus would return in their lifetime. Many of the disciples who lived to the end of their life believed that that's how soon that Jesus was coming. But Peter kind of brings things into, into, into a bigger picture here. And he says, listen, you have to understand, don't overlook this fact, that a day is like a thousand years to God. And a thousand years is like a day. You know, so automatically people start thinking, okay, that means Jesus is returning in the year 3,000, because that would be like three days. It would be like three days rising from that, so people start thinking. But I don't know that it's that exact, but what he's saying is, you have to understand that God's time is not our time. So let's keep reading. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. What promise? 
The promise to come again. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some would count slowness. But God is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Okay, think about that for a minute. Does that not change the idea of God that some of us have in our mind? A lot of us look at God and we think of him like uh, the, the Greek mythological God, Zeus, ready to throw down lightning bolts on anyone who would live, you know, disobediently. But God allows this planet to continue. Think about that. There are children being born, probably hundreds, if not thousands of children, right now at 9.45 in the morning, being born. God allows the cycle of life to continue so that every person that should be born would have an opportunity to know him. God doesn't want anyone to perish. Think about that. Even the people that hate God, God doesn't want anyone to perish. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and all the works that are done will be exposed. Verse 11, since all these things will be thus dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for the, and hastening to the day of the coming of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt and burn but according to his promise we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells now follow me to this part here therefore beloved since you were waiting for these be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our lord as salvation just as our beloved brother paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. Now skip down to verse 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of, law, of lawless people and those uh, and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Paul is writing, and he gives us a lot here. But Paul is saying, listen, no one can stop it. And God might be seeming like he's taking a long time, but God is being really patient. Because let's face the truth. I don't know, but if I was to guess, what would you guess? Do you think that most of the world is for God or against God right now? What do you think? How many of you say that most of the world is for God and is born-again Christians? How many of you believe that? How many of you believe, well, how, let's start here. How many of you know, how many of you believe that you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven? Okay. How many of you believe that most of the world is not born again? Okay. Now, I would agree with you, but we don't have a whole lot of data on that. But I would probably assume that I, I agree with you. Do you think that God wants that to happen? Do you think that God wants to send Jesus back now and end everything? No, God is long-suffering and he's patient because of his heart. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Like, I don't understand how, like, how he can like, choose a day. So like, that day, if someone's being born, how would he know when to... Well, you know, the interesting thing about it, we talked about this when the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting happened, that you know, there's an age of, of, of uh, accountability. Babies, when they're born, 
you know, if, if a baby was to die, you better believe that they're in heaven. They haven't had any opportunity to, you know, make that decision. And even young children, I, Mr. Kurt doesn't know what the age of accountability is, but I believe that God knows all things. And in fact, God tells us in the book of Proverbs that God is wise enough to not charge something to you that you're not, you don't know about. You know, it would be wrong, uh, you know, if you're driving down the street and you get pulled over, you know, for something you didn't know about. It might not be right for the officer to give you a ticket if you didn't know about it, you know, but God really, and even that's a poor example because you should know the rules of the road if you're driving. So that's a terrible example. <laughs> but see, God's ways are above my ways, so I don't have to try to come up with an example. But God knows that there's, there's an age at which he'll, he'll, he'll make sure that everyone knows right from wrong. So I think that that would answer that question. I really do believe that babies and young children, you know, before they know anything, they do wrong things. Trust me, I have a three and a one-year-old. They do wrong things, but they don't really know what they're doing. It's our job to teach them. So Peter really lays out here what we ought to do. Remember the first question I asked you is, what would you do if today was your last day on the planet? And the follow-up question to that is, what would you do if, the, if today was your last day on the planet and tonight you stood before the judgment seat of Christ? Well, I want to walk through a few things here with you. The first thing is to do what Kevin, what's his name in, in Home Alone? What's his last name, Kevin? McAllister. Kevin McAllister. How many of you love that movie, by the way? That movie's so hilarious. That is like, you know, awesome. That's a classic. Kevin McAllister. The first thing that he does is the first thing that Peter tells us to do, and that's to be ready. Everyone say, be ready. We need to live always prepared. We need to always be ready that if Jesus was to show up, we'd be ready to go. How many of us are square with God right now that if in 30 seconds Jesus shows up, we'll be ready to say, oh man, are we going to rejoice that Jesus is here? Or are we going to run for the hills like the rest of the world and say, hills fall on us, rocks fall on us? We're, we need to always be ready. And so what does that mean? Well, we got some things here. Peter says that we should be diligent to please God. If you look at verse 14, Peter begins to say, be diligent to be found by God without spot and without blemish. Be diligent to please God. Can I ask you a simple question? I think it's a simple question. How do we please God? How do we know that we're actually pleasing him? Who, who can help me understand that? If that's my question, how do I know that I'm pleasing God? Okay, Noah? Following his word. By following his word. Now, this is a big Bible. Follow all of the word? All of it. Okay. Is there something that I could do that, that might help me to fulfill all of the word? I'm thinking specifically of what Jesus says in Mark 12, 34. Somebody turn there and find out what Jesus says in Mark 12, 34. How do we know that we're pleasing God? Actually, it's not 34, it's 30. Mark 12, 30. When somebody gets there, they can raise their hand. Mark 12, 30 and 31, you can... Julia's got it. Okay, Julia, will we give everyone a second to get it? Okay, Julia, read this for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees show up to Jesus, and they're the ones that really know the law. They study, they memorize that Bible right there, okay? Well, the law and the prophets, everything they have. And they say, okay, Jesus, you're the son of God. What's the greatest commandment? And they did it to set him up. And Jesus says, oh, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. He said there's nothing greater. And in fact, in doing those two things, you fulfill the whole law. So that's the question that I have for you. What could 
I do. How many of us right now are loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all of our strength? That's where we need to begin. And once we're doing that, then we need to move forward to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what Jesus says. So the first thing that we ought to do is to be ready, and that's to be prepared. How can we prepare? Well, we need to be diligent first to please God. The second thing that Peter says here is, is don't be anxious and, and consider that God is being patient and that patience is bringing forth God's salvation. So there are many people, I know for me, I was 11 years old, I was driving in the car with my dad, I was riding in the car with my dad, and I just turned to him and said, man, I would love to go to heaven, dad. And I can, my dad was kind of like, what are you saying? You're only 11, you know? What, what are you talking about? But my heart already knew that there's so much pain on this planet. I just want to go home. Does anyone ever feel like that sometimes? You just, there's so much pain and destruction. You just want to get to heaven. But we need to realize that God's patience is salvation for everyone. God is holding off so that he can bring salvation to as many people. The next thing that Peter tells us here, and this all comes from verse uh, 14 on. Let me just get back there. Go back to 2 Peter. Chapter 3. These are the things you can read right here that Peter begins to tell us in verse 15 and 16. And in verse 17, Peter says, Don't get carried away with lawlessness and with lawless people. So one of the things that we have to make sure is that we're not getting distracted by lawlessness. A lot of times, um, you know as well as I do, when you know mom and dad are going to be away, maybe not now because you're good Christian boys and girls now, but um, remember way back when, uh, when you you couldn't wait for, you know, mom and dad to leave the house and automatically your mind would begin to think about the things that you could do that you won't get caught for because now they're not home? Am I alone in this? No, okay, thank you. Because I remember, I was a teenager. Now I just wait for my wife to leave so I can do the thing. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. <laughs> it's just a joke. That's just a joke, okay? But I remember being a teenager and thinking, you know, like, oh, I can do this now. And, but that's what God said. That's what Peter's saying. Don't get caught up following after those things because, you know, your parents might leave the house and no one might be watching you. I don't want to make this creepy or anything, but you know that God is there all the time. And God never sleeps, so he always sees. And again, God is not like Zeus ready to throw down lightning bolts on you, but God is looking for a heart of obedience. So Peter says, don't get caught up with lawlessness. The final thing that Peter tells us in verse 18 is to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we all learned a little bit more about grace when John Bevere was here. How many of you were here when John Bevere was here? You heard what John Bevere taught. John Bevere taught something about grace that I will never forget. A lot of us just look at grace as God's unmerited favor, but grace is more than that. Grace is empowerment to do the right thing. And so what Peter is saying here is we need to grow in the empowerment of Jesus to do what's right. You and I, we have what's called a sin nature. So if this is the right way to go, we always want to go this way. And so it's this constant battle going back and forth between our flesh and our spirit. Our spirit knows the right thing to do, but our flesh, because of our sin nature, wants to do something wrong. But when you grow in grace, you're growing in the empowerment. And when you grow in the knowledge, what's knowledge, everyone? 
Understanding, very good. Knowledge is understanding. And so when you're growing in the grace and knowledge, you're growing in empowerment and understanding. And as you grow, you're getting empowered by Jesus and you're understanding what his purpose in your life is. And so that's how we ought to live our lives, that we grow in the grace and knowledge, grow in empowerment. And do you know the only way to do that? It goes right back to the two staple marks of every Christian life, Bible reading and prayer. And prayer is not just some lofty thing. Prayer is time alone with God. I cannot tell you how important it is. You want to know the secret things about God? You want to know the plans that he has in store for your life and for this planet? Well, guess where you're going to discover that? In the secret place, in the quiet time alone with God. God doesn't just reveal his plans to any old person. God reveals his plans to those who diligently seek him. And if you want to discover what God's got for you, he's got for your family, he's got for the plan uh, of this this whole region here, you got to get along with God. That's when you begin to see vision. One of the questions that came last week was, well, how do we know that this is the right thing? Where did the leaders get the idea to make this change? You know what? In seeking the Lord in the secret place. Because it's not a popular decision, is it? To make a shift like this, it's not a popular decision. But sometimes when you get along with God, God gives you a vision, and you might be the only one ready and willing to step out to do that. And that's the way that we grow in knowledge and understanding. That's the way that we grow in empowerment that we begin to seek him in quiet and in the secret place. And so if you're not doing that, you've got to start. You've got to give yourself more time if you're doing it now. And you've got to get alone with God. You know, you, maybe you just like to, you know, sit down at night, you know, with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and just enjoy some time with the Lord, reading your Bible. Get away from everybody. Turn off the distractions. You've got to be able to hear God above the noise of this earth. You know, a lot of people like to read with their headphones in. Well, for once, read your Bible, take your headphones out. Read, read your Bible without your headphones. Music's great. Christian music is awesome. But when you get alone, you're, you're quieting your spirit so you can hear what God is saying. And when you're praying, turn the praise and worship music off. That's great. But you need some time just to be quiet and to get alone with God. Listen, strength doesn't come all the time from building yourself up by listening to positive music and doing all. Strength comes most of the time from sitting in the quiet and allowing God to build you up. That's where he can really strengthen you. So my challenge for you this week, obviously, is the same challenge as always, Bible reading and quiet time. But I have a real challenge for you. Miss Jennifer didn't know this, but I'm sending you to the book of Revelation. I don't think we as Christians read the book of Revelation enough. I think it's an amazing book. I think it's a scary book. I love it. For those of you who love to, you know, for those of you who just can't get enough blood and guts, go and read Revelation. What, what are you doing reading this other stuff out there? Go and read Revelation. It's amazing. But I want, this is what I want you to do. This is your challenge this week, is to read the book of Revelation. There are 21 chapters. You can totally handle that. Okay? You read the book of Revelation, and as you read through, there are different parts. Okay? There's... Uh, the destruction, there's the coming of Jesus, there's the last and final battle, the final judgment, and then the new heavens and the new earth. And here's what I've done over the course of my study of the book of Revelation, is I begin to journal my feelings. What am I feeling right now? I don't mean silly, I mean seriously. What am I thinking right now as I read about the destruction, about the plagues? And then as I get past that, I begin to get to the final judgment. What am I feeling about this final judgment? And then the new heavens and the new earth. What is that? What does that say to me? You know, you you will understand Revelation as you read it. And the Bible actually tells us that you're blessed. I think you mentioned this earlier. You're blessed by reading and receiving the book. 
just by reading and receiving it. So that's my homework assignment for you this week. Do I have a way of checking up on it? No. But I'm telling you, it will change the course of your life to get into the book of Revelation and to begin to read and journal your feelings and journal your thoughts as you're going through. Here's the truth, my friends. Jesus will return. And the hour that he'll come is like a thief in the night. And the question is, will we be ready? That's not to scare you. But it's to get us to make right decisions and to honor God in all that we do. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today in the matchless name of Jesus. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your loving kindness and for your mercy. I thank you for your word that has gone forth today, God. As your word has gone forth, Jesus has been lifted up. And as Jesus is lifted up, you're drawing the hearts of men unto you. The hearts of every child, every person in this room. And so, Father, I thank you right now that you would continue to draw us closer to you. Continue to bring us deeper into a relationship with you, Father. I thank you that everyone that is here today, you designed to be here. No one is here by accident. And I mean in this church today, and I mean on this planet, in this life. No one is here by accident. You have created us for this very hour. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you, Lord. Lord, you know the issues that face us today in our families, at school, with final projects and midterms and all these things. Maybe family members battling sickness and disease. God, you know everything. And we just lay it all at your feet. We cast our cares at your feet because we know you care for us. Father, would you just minister to every heart in this room? Would you just encourage? Would you rebuke? Would you exhort? Would you teach? And would you train by the power of your spirit right now? In Jesus' name.